Welcome to the Legislate podcast, a place to learn about the latest insights and trends in property, technology, business building, and contract drafting. I'm excited today to have Hannah Chapat on the show, co-founder and CEO of Hiber, a platform that students can rely on throughout their time at university and in the process to tackle the injustice in the student rental industry. Hannah, welcome to the show. Please, can you start by introducing yourself and sharing a bit of background about Hiber? Of course. Thanks so much for having me. So my name is Hannah, and I was a student at the University of Bristol. I graduated in 2019, and shortly after graduating, I launched Hiber. While I was a student, I was shocked by the constant cycle of students that rent every year and absolutely hate the whole process. You pray you'll befriend this hyper-organized type that will take over everything so you don't have to worry about it, but really all students just end up wasting valuable time when they could be studying or living out with friends, getting independence the first time, in toxic relationships and disputes with landlords and letting agents. And really, I realized that it all came down to a breakdown in communication. Both sides think that they're going to get messed around by the other and everyone starts a relationship on the back. So I want to do something about that. If you think about what renting is, it should be an exciting um, part of being at university, living out with friends the first time. And really, students don't know what they're doing. It's a very intimidating process, very anxiety inducing. You've been spoon fed throughout your time at school and then you're shoved into the real world. So Hybra is a supportive, safe space for student renters to understand how to find the right property, what to look out for when renting, understand basic jargon that's used on a daily basis, and and relax knowing that when they go through Hybra, if anything goes wrong, they will not be dealing with it alone. They will always have someone on the Hybra team to hold their hand throughout the process. And so when you say a safe place and holding their hand, are you acting as a letting agent or just as a platform that connects students with landlords? So we do manage a few properties, but mostly we just connect students to landlords and we help with contracts, background checks, inventories, check-in, check-out. And we have lots of big network of maintenance men, handymen or women in the cities that we work in so that we can help our, our landlords. So landlords can pick and choose different packages depending on their business needs. Great. And you've been doing this for the past two years. What has been your favorite moment so far? Great question. We probably launched at the beginning of 2020. So very interesting time with COVID. I'd say that I spent the first few months pretty much being a therapist on the phone to students who were really struggling, as you can imagine, with the anxiety around COVID and being stuck in tenancy, trying to get out of contracts, didn't know who to live with, having fallouts with their friends because everyone was so anxious. So it was strange to say it's a favorite memory, but I think I made me much more passionate about what we were doing and really proved that there was a need for Hiber. And I really enjoyed helping students when they were really in need. So yeah, it was pretty, pretty powerful few months. And do you think that launching pretty much at the start of the pandemic helped your business or, or did it lead to a certain direction that you didn't anticipate? I think twofold. I think in one way it slowed us down because we would have expanded at a faster rate and we would have grown the team earlier. But then as with those, so many other startups, I think it really made sure that you are building robust foundations because if you can weather COVID, you can weather any issues. And as I said, it just really proved that there was a need and demand for the platform. Now, what would you wish you'd known before starting? Good question. What I wish I'd known before starting? I guess I wish I'd known about the so many different, really interesting grants and uh, entrepreneurial com- communities that exist. And I think it would have been great if I'd been exposed to them a bit earlier on. I think it'd be quite lonely starting your own business. I'm sure you guys know it, like, legislate. 
and being part of the communities where you can share stories and learn from each other has been really helpful. Which communities are you part of or would you recommend to other entrepreneurs? Founders Factory looks quite interesting. There's quite good communities with AngelList, angel.co. It's quite an interesting one. LinkedIn has quite a few communities. Prince's Trust, Startup Grind. There's quite a good few newsletters I can't cover, aren't springing to mind. That's really helpful. And you've been at this for a year and a half. What's the plan for the next year or three years or five years? The problem isn't just a uniquely UK student problem. It's definitely a problem that exists in in Europe and in the US. So definitely want to scale outside of UK once you've got a strong position across most universities in the UK. But there's a lot of additional features that we're introducing. We're doing a lot of focus groups with both our students and our landlords to see what additional features that we can introduce that no one else is really doing. I think it's really important for us right now to question all of the systems within the rental space that you've taken as a status quo. Like, why do you need a UK guarantor? Why do you need to pay a deposit 12 months in advance? And why are tenancy agreements written in a certain way? And just basic things, questioning them to see how we can shake up the industry. I think it's time for a fresh set of eyes to reset the standards. For sure. And so when you say you've been running these focus groups, are there any early features that you can share that that are coming your way? I think during COVID, one interesting thing was that a lot of students, because they didn't have a first year, they didn't have a freshers, didn't have anyone to live with. So we're doing lots of housemate matcher events and working on an algorithm that would allow students to quite easily meet up and figure out whether they both want to rent in a certain area with a certain type of person to help them regroup. And then also just looking at deposit replacements and guarantor replacement schemes that we can introduce to help students that don't come from wealthy backgrounds. The whole system is geared towards students with wealthy UK guarantors. And if you don't fit into that box, it's really difficult to rent. I see. And so with your platform, do you provide any guidelines to landlords in terms of, for example, not using a guarantor? So we have community guidelines to be a hybrid landlord, to be a hybrid student. More specifically, in terms of guarantors, what we do is if we have a student that got a grant from the university and a part-time job, but they don't have a wealthy UK guarantor that fits the what's been asked of them in terms of how much salary they need to be earning a year, then we'll put together a case for that student to say, this is how, why they can pay the rent, this is why we back them. And we might also ask the university to have, um, say that they've bettered the student and that they're a very good student and they're on for a first or whatever it is to show that, you know, they don't need to have a UK guarantor per se, but look at the fact that they've had great landlord reviews last year. They paid their rent on time. They're doing great in studying economics. They're working part-time in Tesco. This is a good student to rent to. At the start of the uh, podcast season, we we brought on the founder of Checkboard. I don't know if you've ever come across them. They're effectively an objective checking platform where they can connect to bank accounts, leverage open banking to say, yes, this person has made um, these payments on time over the past 12 months and hopefully can bridge that gap as well. Are you currently based in Bristol and, and with Bristol University? And you mentioned obviously conquering the UK before going global. How far are you in that journey? So we've got a great case study. We've now just scaled into seven new university cities, including Lincoln, Lancaster, Liverpool, Cardiff, Exeter, a few others. 
and we're just establishing ourselves in these new cities with our ambassador scheme. It's really important for us to feel like we're giving back and interacting, engaging with the student communities, making sure that they have you know, part-time employment and helping them with a bit of money on the side and giving them exposure for their CVs and also making sure that we're constantly in tune with student opinions and the data on where students want to live, what's important for them, what services we can offer students. So that's what we're doing currently and we're also raising money for the first time to help our expand into five new cities. That's the plan. So are you a fully remote or virtual company? I think quite similar to what a lot of companies are doing at the moment, which is flexi working. So most of our team are based in London. We have part-time people we work with in all of the cities. So that's kind of contractors, handymen, people help with viewings. But our core team are based in London with two or three people working entirely remotely. Interesting. And so you mentioned tenancy agreement, I guess you indirectly mentioned contract agreements, employment agreements. As a CEO of this young business, what are the key contracts you interact with the most? So we do ASTAs, so short haul tenancy agreements. We have a few single occupancy agreements as well, but mostly we work on a joint and several basis. Great. And do you provide the templates to the landlords and students? Yes, we are NALA approved. So we had our own contracts that we constructed with the lawyers based on the clauses that we thought were fair for both parties. And now we use that alongside the kind of core contract that is approved by landlord associations as well. Great. And so with those contracts, do you find there are any you know, common questions or common issues or objections that arise either from the tenant or the landlord? One of the biggest ones recently was getting out of contracts. I think it's a normal part of life that sometimes you commit to something and then things change. And in the past, it's been very inflexible. It's really expensive to get out of a contract and tenants have to pay so much money. When in reality, as long as you make a clear clause that says a tenant, if they'd like to get out of a contract, they have to find a replacement tenant then that should be relatively free. You should pay maybe £30 max to re-reference and for the company to send another contract, but that's not too much work. So I think that's been a really important clause that we look out for and we make sure our tenants look out for it because sometimes things do go wrong and you need to have that flexibility. So getting out of a contract is really important and then making sure everyone understands who's liable for the rent if you're on a joint and several contract you need to be able to trust your housemates because if anything does go wrong in our experience and from speaking to a lot of people you don't usually charge the rest of the house but it is in the contract so it's important to be aware that might happen if someone does decide to just run off to Spain and never come back so yeah it's important to know who you're living with and making sure you're reading through all the clauses carefully and you mentioned replacement tenants is that something that Hiber would help with if ever it did arise? Yes, we do that on quite a regular basis. Great. And with regards to growing a business, do you use, I imagine you use employment contracts and various other forms of agreements to hire and grow? Yes, we do. And is there any insight or, or common pattern that you can share? I think it's quite interesting if you're starting a business to think through how long you want your probation period to be. I think that's a question that people don't really discuss enough. And I think it's really important because Hiring, especially post-COVID, has been very tricky. It's a crazy market with people moving jobs and people being offered crazy high salaries as everyone's decided to grow their businesses and bring on you know, experienced teams. So I think that you can end up hiring someone and you might not be sure whether they're the right fit for the company. So having 
a clearly thought out probation period and clearly aligned on what you expect someone to achieve in that probation period and what will happen if they don't pass it. That's something that's really important to think through. And, and what do you think is the optimal probation period? I think it really depends. We actually do a six month probation just because I think it takes some time for people to really understand the company and understand the role. And some people might get off to a bit of a rocky start, but they you know really impressed, get on well with people. So giving people the benefit and uh, letting them settle into a company is important. Good point. I'm conscious that we've already taken a lot of your time. So I'm going to ask the closing question that we ask all our guests. So if you're being sent a contract to sign today, what would impress you? I think maybe not a very original comment, but something that is just no technical jargon and not 20 pages long. I think the shorter and the more concise a contract, the more likely you're going to properly read through it and clearly laid out what your obligations are and what the other person entering the agreement's obligations are. So you don't have to spend, you know, a whole day trying to read through it and look for loopholes. Yeah, I think clear and concise. I think the shorter the contract, the more likely someone is to read it. But one thing at Legislate that we always try to do on top of the contract is also offer different views of the contract. So you can view the contract in its classical text form, which is written in plain English and has highlighted areas which contain annotations. But we also offer a question and answer view, which is a breakdown of the key terms. And also we're introducing shortly a, a visual representations of what are each side's obligations and restrictions so that you can quickly go to what ultimately is important for any contract. Tenancy agreements and also employment agreements. We're rolling that out shortly. Yeah, as well, so you get someone to read through the contract to you, so you could just be on a walk. And yeah, no, that's a good feature. I will add it to our roadmap. <laughs> so thank you very much, Hannah, for your time. Best of luck with conquering the UK and improving lives for students and also landlords. So thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me.